hey, I don't know what you're trying to pull here, but we're a stand-up podcast. We're not the kind of podcast that messes around with punks trying to get us for protection money. You get out of here and take your whole clown show with you. We're talking about Batman the Animated Series, Robin's Reckoning, and a reference that I hope will make sense later. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite show the more you nerd my name is drew and miles is already shaking his head at me and we're not even through the intro yet we are back to do another batversary episode this time uh, of course talking about batman the animated series this time we were talking about one of the best two-part episodes of the show robin's reckoning part one and two before we get into that, of course, I have to introduce my co-host, my bro. I would never call him a sidekick. Miles, how are you? Doing great. Um, just continuing watching this show has just it's been such a treat. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, w- I do want to say, I feel like any time they put on a two-parter, it was always kind of a special event, like to me at least, because they were always like really cool. Like Shadow of the Bat or the the Demon's Quest or uh, the one with Red Claw. Uh, two, uh, there the was Two-Face always, Origin was a two-part episode. Yeah, they, they always had some really great two-parters. Like they didn't they didn't really mince like they didn't really like, I, I think, squander those chances. And for for me, I, this is this is one that I absolutely remember watching as a kid. Just having an episode dedicated to Robin was super exciting for me. And I, I remember what a big deal this felt like because, oh man, you know, Robin's getting a two-part episode. And this was one of two of the kind of modern tellings of Dick Grayson's origins. The other being in comic book form around the same time you had uh, the first annual of Tim Drake's book, but it wasn't a Tim Drake story. It was a 40 page full-on in-depth origin of robin's kind of first little bit so it went really in-depth to the zuko stuff and robin's you know or dick grayson's first little tenure as robin and it was really really good and you know tony zuko this character had existed since the 40s like this 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 character's always been part of robin's origin but not often really explored I mean, it's, and, it's, and it's something that they continue to go back to that. Well, uh, if you read the, unfortunately. Current, the currently running Nightwing book, they've gone to that well in a way that you never would have expected them to do. It's it's the it's the only time in the comics where they've gone to that well. And it's been interesting to me. <laughs> um, I, I, I think when you try to make to to change, like bring things from an origin story as a zinger, it almost always falls flat on its face. Um. And it's doubly, I think, apparent when you actually get to see the origin and how it's handled in in this story. Because we have a a two part story that really gives you an exploration into Robin as a character. And at this point, we are fifty episodes in, I think, uh, uh, to the, so the animated series. Is, at this this point. Is, we're only in the thirties. 
Um, where this is episode 32 and 33 of the first season of Batman, the animated series of which there are 65 episodes. Interesting. Uh, the wiki has it as 51 and 52. Uh, not the wiki I'm looking at. <laughs> Interestante. Cause. Hmm. Um, regardless, it's well into the series. It is. And and, this, and and Robin has appeared in the series prior to this point. Robin in Batman, the animated series was not a constant player. He shows up really yes. when it's convenient more than anything else. But as part of this show, and this is going to be important. And Miles and I are, are going to try to, to talk about this a little bit. Um, he is is an older Robin. This is this is a Robin who was in college. He he even comments early on in the first episode that he knows he's not around as much as he used to be <laughs> because of his studies and things like that. Um, but uh, of course, he's really bored with what's going on at first. Uh, uh, but I am a big fan of this being an older, more seasoned Robin, because I think it gives them more storytelling opportunities than having Robin as as a, a younger teen. Uh, but but let's. L- miles may not agree with me on that but we'll, we'll see if we'll see if we can, <laughs> we'll see if we can bring him around on that uh so let's talk about robin's reckoning part one um off the start once again i have to say the music in batman the animated series is great it's exceptional what it's orchestrated i would like to see a bad implementation of the music in the show because i'm not sure there is one I think I, I, we didn't talk about this last week. And since we're doing the, uh, something else next week, I wanted to pause and talk about this because it's a facet of the animated series that we I, I think we either glossed over. Or we just talk, didn't talk about uh, at all the title cards. Oh, yeah. Batman, the animated series implements, I, I would call a nod to the old, you know, Mary Melodies and, uh, and the cartoons of old by having title cards before the episodes now you still see that done in some uh of the 11 minute cartoons you know but especially then it wasn't used very often at all and every single title card is often just a great piece of art uh some of them have been turned to screen print posters by companies like mondo and i think it's it, it also adds to the style that retro noir style of batman the animated series 100% the title cards are such a huge part of it and we didn't talk about it last week and and it deserves it because they're just so because again it it it, it each episode a lot of episodes i'm sure they start reusing music at some point but many episodes have a unique score for that title card and it just works so well it's so cool it also builds anticipation for what you're about to watch um especially if you're if you're you know kind of keen on what's going to be happening um because they usually give me give you some sort of implication obviously there's some titles like you know christmas with a joker well you know you're getting into yeah um robin's reckoning i I remember even being like what's this gonna be about i mean it would be about robin you know but I, di- I didn't know what. And and here's here's what's interesting to me about this, because the, the, the show starts with Batman and Robin kind of staking out these saboteurs. Yes. And 
Robin 100% acts like he is 16 years old. <laughs> he is stretched out on a thing. He's just, you know, impatient and impertinent. And he is just ready to go. And he's got homework I, this to is do. why I said something to to Drew is I think what bothers me about making Robin older, not that I'm not interested in having Dick Grayson age out as he did in the comics. And this 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 story does a great job of kind of showing that crack as to the day that Dick will eventually leave. But I feel like the way he's written at the beginning of this show is written for a younger character. See, I, I disagree because I read this situation differently. So to, to set it up a little bit more, they are just staking it out. Batman's looking at his binoculars and Robin keeps asking him questions and Batman keeps going. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then at some, at some point, uh, Dick comments to him because I think this is I think this is how they operate. And this is what I love about the opening of this episode is that these are people that have been working together as a team for at this point. Seven, eight years. Uh, I think that's about fair. Uh, but 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 but, but to, 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 to kind of land that when when dick says oh well i'm glad you're such a good i'm glad i'm partnered up with such a good conversationalist you see batman through looking through the binoculars just kind of look towards the camera and smile and it's just such a wonderful moment these are people that that know each other and i i honestly think that this is not this is not dick grayson being a petulant teen this is him playing the game that they play you know this is this is this is part of 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 their of their their language of, of of communicating with each other when they're on the on the on the job i i don't know if i agree with that um i certainly see how you are are reading that but like there are others there are other stories that happen um i want to say a little bit earlier like the night of the ninja story where they have that banter but just Dix just seems a little bit older in how he's doing it, because uh, especially in, in the ninja one where like Robin, it's like the other way around where Robin actually kind of saves Batman. And as Batman's kind of quick to, you know, get off the roof and stuff, you know, Dick walks up the edge and just kind of whispers him. Thanks for saving my bacon, Robin. Hey, no problem. <laughs> like that kind of stuff is, I think, more in line with an older Robin that the way he's written throughout this entire episode he feels like a kid. Like, I don't know. This, I, the, I, I would think that if he is because I mean, he might be 18 at this point, which is still to me as a 38 year old man, still very much a child. Ah, I, I, I mean, he's because I think he's supposed to be a sophomore at, um, at Gotham University or whatever. So 19, not much difference. <laughs> Maybe or, or 20, depending on. I mean, he missed a lot of school when his parents were killed. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he was a circus boy. Let's be real. He yeah, got we don't know. We don't know exactly <laughs> his schooling he might, situation. He might be twenty six because he needed a few years to catch up. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there there's that scene where, like, you know, where Dick is like he treats me like a kid, and, and literally he's kicking a rock off the uh, the cave like a child. Um, which I mean, on one end, you know, th this this is a very mature show, but it's also 
a show for children. So, I mean, it does need to make things very clear, which is fine. But I feel like I just feel like Robin, he feels like a high schooler in this one. I can not. I, I, I can see some of that. I think that there are things that as far as growth of a character by the end that I I'm still more in my camp. But I, I the he treats me like a kid thing. I both see could be a 16 year old and I see could be a 19 year old because at that point. Well, sure, because I mean, that's that's literally why Dick left to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, be, and became Nightwing. Uh, so so to, to, to give a little story context there, they have found a, a, a guy um, and I forget the fake name that they use. Uh, B- Billy Marin is the fake name. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I loved. Uh, the 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 goon that was you know hanging on to the to the the broken construction equipment like the police wouldn't leave me down up here like this and Batman just goes we're not the police like I oh, I love that I love oh, that sequence oof. I love the show and and by the way I, I want to say this because uh, uh Lauren Lester is the voice of Robin in this show uh Dick Grayson Robin and uh I, I he doesn't get enough credit for for dick grayson we always talk about uh kevin conroy as uh batman and uh mark hamill as the joker but there's a lot of other really fantastic characters i'm uh, i'm not gonna lie when i read dick grayson i read it in lauren lester's voice i mean it's another iconic it doesn't happen all the time with some characters uh commissioner gordon i kind of uh bounce around with um tim drake uh, nothing from any of the animated stuff uh alfred a hundred percent um so there there is there is certainly more than uh Suna kyle same way uh, i think Suna kyle's voice in this is pretty excellent and then mark hamill joker is kind of this. always yeah um but yeah uh, lauren lester as robin has always been kind of my definitive dick grayson so I mean, and I've liked other performances. I actually really thought Neil Patrick Harris did a good job in Under the Red Hood. Um, I've enjoyed what they've done with the character in Young Justice. But whenever I read Dick Grayson, it's it's Lauren Lester's voice. I I I think there's just a classicness about it that 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 is forever my dick grayson yeah i mean, I, I agree it, with you a hundred percent it does help that we've had a hundred episodes of these cartoons to <laughs> to solidify those voices in our heads but right uh, but the thing is if if the robin voice was terrible then i mean it would be a joke i mean yeah. some stuff like that happens you know there are certain characters who didn't have a ton of appearances at first and have become one of the most iconic characters in the Batman universe, Harley Quinn. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly happens. Um, one thing that, uh, that, that I really did enjoy about, you know, we have this story and, and, and Robin finds out that the reason that Batman's kind of icing him out of this one. And I really love this because this gives us a great reason as to why Robin's just not constantly part of things is one. He's in college and two, Batman establishes that, hey, there are some cases I just do by myself. And that is all the communication you need as to, hey, this is why Robin's not always here. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, you know, <clears throat> he, and, and, and again, so so 
I do think, though, that if Batman really cared about this case and keeping Dick away from it, he maybe would have password protected the Tony Zuko file on the Bat computer. I don't know. <laughs> you know, when I, when, when, I, when I was rewatching this, I could have sworn that happened. There's also something that I referenced last week that doesn't happen this episode, but in my memory absolutely does, because I know that Batman like turns off the tracking, but I thought he turned off the motorcycle remotely and that Dick had to like rewire it or something. So that like must that have just been something in my head. Something I remember that. Yeah, that, it, that sounds familiar, just, but I don't know what. From. Yeah, it, no, it, I, 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 I could have sworn it was this episode. Um, but I, I like that we established this because once Dick finds out that it's Tony Zuko, we start getting these flashbacks of Dick Grayson's origin, which I mean, it's the traditional origin that we know. You have the flying Grayson's. You have that Haley's circus was being kind of uh, strong armed by a local hood and didn't pay up. And his, Dick's parents suffer as a result, which leads Bruce Wayne to. Uh, temporarily at the time, but adopt Dick Grayson. Yeah, um, I, have uh, to, I, have to, I have to give a shout out here. Tony Zuko, uh, the the man in question who causes the death of Dick Grayson's parents, voiced in this by Thomas F. Wilson. Is that a name that's familiar to you, Miles? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, Thomas F. Wilson is a well-known actor and well-known voice actor. He has done a lot of stuff, including a bunch of stuff in the the DC animated. Uh, I believe he was Sportsmaster and Brave and the Bold. He might have been Guy Gardner and Brave and the Bold, but he is probably his best known role and a role that if he will give you a card if you ever meet him in real life about is he was Biff from Back to the Future. <laughs> so, so good. So good. Um, and, and I mean, he's he's certainly great in this. One of my favorite pieces, little pieces of detail in this is the reverence they hold to Batman's early years, because when we see Batman investigating this, he don't have the same costume. No, he doesn't. He's animated differently. He's he's got a, a different costume on. He's. It looks really cool. Um, I it's just, very cool. I, oh, I mean, look, I, I, I stand the yellow oval, but seeing them make that choice again, the continuity this show has for Batman's timeline, and everything is excellent. And so getting to see him investigate a little bit in that classic gray and black was just very cool. No purple gloves, though. No purple gloves, which is fine. I'm fine without the purple gloves. Um, but it is also interesting to me. We see a number of other characters like Lieutenant Gordon, who is animated exactly the same, except he's got red hair instead of gray hair, which is. Yeah, it threw me off to the point where I was like, I had to I had to compare. I had to pause it and be like, wait, is he animated differently? No, his character is exactly the same, just with a different hair color. Um, I, I can't move past, though, before we go on to, to some of the the other stuff in this, because there is one thing in particular I really want to nail about this, this point, but to go back to the death of Dick Grayson's parents, which is something that is, is obviously they fall to their deaths because of a sabotaged trapeze act. Uh, the way that they animate this and the way that they frame this in the show is just excellent. You see 
them go back and forth and and they frame the the rope fraying and fraying and fraying and then you see uh uh dick's mom and dad flowing in shadow moving off the screen and then a sound and a screams from the crowd and just the single frayed cable flowing back into frame to stop it's just it's excellent the way they handle implied violence in this show is unreal because it's so mature. It's so conceptually dark, but they don't actually show you anything. We just they, watched, they, we they just watched all... the, the parents of this child die on screen, but they just make it so so artistically beautiful that we forgive it. We let it go. Well, I mean, it's done in such a way where like, yes, you see what happens. This is great communication for the for the intended audience, too, because it's not graphic. It's not gratuitous. But uh, someone can watch this, understand what happens, because this this show is never shying away from the fact that lives are on the line. People die. And I mean, this show gets dark, but they always do a great job balancing the tone. And there's a lot of artistic touches the show makes to kind of keep it within that sort of family-friendly hour. And I don't think the show gets enough credit because people remember all of these excellent things about it, about how it was a mature take on Batman, how it's pretty much the definitive take on Batman. But balancing that razor's edge, especially in the 90s when yeah. parent watchdog groups were at their most rabid, and the fact that this show, and I'm sure, I'm sure you have people squawking about it, but like the fact that this show towed that line as well as it did and did so successfully is just incredible yeah for sure and 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 to move on to the next moment because obviously we have the very obvious connections between bruce wayne and dick grayson they are both orphans they were both orphaned by crime this is something that is known about these two characters it is something that it is part of the reason why why Bruce takes Dick in it, it, it and, and makes him his ward and his sidekick and all of this stuff. But I just have to say that not every interpretation of Bruce meeting meeting Dick Grayson for the first time is shown with as much compassion. You see so yeah. much kindness in Bruce in this moment. And it's kindness that disguises the the obvious anger that he has about the situation. But it is a kindness that that Batman is not often shown having, at least in more more recent interpretations. It's a kindness that he is not often shown having with the rest of the Bat family. He's normally it's, sh- it's like we talked about last week, how the, a lot of people miss the reading of Batman in this show. A lot of writers since this show has come out have kind of missed what this show did so well. And I think you hit the nail on the head here because Bruce is the same wounded child that Dick Grayson is. And he sees that within him and he's trying to do his best because within Grace, I mean, within Dick he sees his saving grace. He sees his own salvation. If he can help this child get justice for the same thing that took his parents away, 
and 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 just to skip to the end of this episode when we see the real the when when dick has the realization that that bruce has is also an orphan and also lost his family to crime and they just they the, he he breaks down in tears and and asks him does it ever get better and bruce looks at him and says i wish i could tell you that it does but it does get easier and it will get easier for you specifically those words that are just like that's the that's the key difference between dick grayson and bruce wayne is that while while dick still you know he's still an orphan and he he misses his parents and he hates the crime that took them away he was able to grow beyond that where where batman wasn't and well, batman is, is yeah and that was always the thing by. about about robin because you know Dick was always he saw the fun in the theater in being a crime fighter. And and that was something that Batman never could. And a lot of people kind of have often talked about that aspect of Dick Grayson, because especially when he even became Batman, the one person who knew that Batman was different was Harvey Dent, because he sees a shot of of Batman on the news and frees it. And he's like. He's smiling. (laughs) And and that's something that Batman doesn't do because Dick falls in love. I mean, he he was a circus performer. He falls in love with doing what he's what, he, what he's doing, and and that's apparent even in this episode where you see him do like be Robin. He's always got a clip. He's always having fun. He's always performing. Well, and and even even at the beginning of episode two, which we're kind of treating these like one big long. Thing. It is one big, yeah. Uh, but uh we we have some sort of small time jump i don't know how much time ha- passes uh dick and bruce are uh fencing at some in in wayne manor and dick is losing the fight over and over again and and bruce says well it's not about strength it's about finesse and dick says oh it's about finesse huh and dives under his legs and hits him in the back with a sword. <laughs> and like, that's not a move that Batman would ever do. That is definitely a move that Robin would do. And it, it was, it's just, it continues to, to, to just sort of show their differences, but how they're also kind of two sides of the same coin in a way that I really, really like seeing. Yeah. I, I also, I, I, I like seeing another moment like this. I love seeing the, the actual relationship between Bruce and Dick, because it is a very uh, father son relationship. It's a very familial relationship. And, you know, they are partners, but there is, you know, I like that. The one thing about Batman, the animated series that I think a lot of other Batman media doesn't get is they show Bruce Wayne as a human being. It, it Bruce is not some mask that the Batman puts on Rachel. He, he <laughs> is a part of Bruce. Yes, but we actually get to see Bruce more in this than we almost get to see in any other Batman media. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not the points where Bruce Wayne definitely puts on a little bit of that persona. He's less the playboy and more just affable. Like in the oh, first, like when he spills the popcorn, when he spills the popcorn and the soda and the, when, in the circus at the beginning of, of this yeah. episode, like it, it's, yeah, it, he like he likes playing the kind of clumsy playboy because it's, it, it's the Clark Kentism where it's yes. like this person could never 
be anything but this goober and uh, and it's uh, and obviously that. that's that's a slight change that they've been able to make because it's a a kid's cartoon show they can't show him you know hooking up with a bunch of random women and stuff like that i i i still i like this read because I, it's another thing that they do i also one thing i love is that and they kind of started tweaking this more in the justice league days but batman's not infallible batman is not the best all the time I mean, he sometimes even gets oh, taken, not taken out, but obviously, uh, you know, taken down by local hoods. I mean, Tony Zuko shoots a machine gun in the ceiling. He falls wrong and <laughs> screws up his knee. Yeah. And like has to do a makeshift. Like He also walks out of there with the weirdest fashion. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm going now. <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, we'll we'll skip a little bit ahead just because uh, basically that we're we're still back we're kind of skipping back and forth between the present and the past to the last time that that dick grayson tracked down tony zuko while bruce tracked down tony zuko um to the present when they're both trying to do it again and uh beautiful moments in there we'll get to that but yeah towards the end um dick has found a phone number has has gone and found where Tony Zuko is, and he's done that by calling a number that was redialed from a phone, which is a very 1990s thing to do, and then tracing the call uh, to where it was placed to, which I don't know if that's a thing you can actually do, but you know, whatever. Uh, but during that call, Tony Zuko gets freaked out, picks up a, <laughs> picks up a machine gun and thinks the Batman's onto him and starts just shooting bullet after bullet, just I, a more bullet shot in this episode, I think, than any other cartoon in history. I don't know if that's <laughs> fact or not, but, you know, uh, it certainly seems like it basically destroys the second floor of this warehouse that they're in. And as it turns out, Batman was there. <laughs> he was, <laughs> we don't know that at the time, but Batman falls through and hurts his leg and then punches Zuko in the face. Just walks out just like well, i'm just yeah he he he's, it's 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 a very weird not, not scene even, not even gonna throw some bat cuffs on that dude bats come on <laughs> um but but to to go back in time a little bit to see some of the so we've got dick grayson trying to find tony zuko and we've got batman who has found tony zuko and unfortunately dick falls into this river that happens to be conveniently there and batman has to let zuko get away to save to save dick and in that moment dick is so mad why did you let him get away why did you let him get away and then they don't even say it out loud they don't just it, it, <laughs> the bat plane comes up and they're just like where are we going <laughs> i don't know and uh, of course they do the the identity reveal and then we flash forward but um yeah, I love it. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Uh, but but to the to the end of this episode, uh, we've got Robin coming in. And again, I like to talk about the details because Robin needlessly uh, takes his his motorcycle and jumps over a bridge, a, an elevated bridge that's that's opened. Um, what are those split bridges? What do you call those? I, <laughs> Suspe not suspension bridge that's a i was gonna say drawbridge i probably that's right drawbridge isn't right why do i not know this word right now uh 
Anyway, it's, you know, a bridge over a river that they lift open both sides so that a boat can go through that one that neither of us can remember the word for right now, um, which is just sad more than anything. <laughs> but you would expect in, in any other cartoon that Dick Grayson would just vroom, vroom. But in this, they take the time to make his motorcycle land in a way that you would think it would do in order to slow his descent. Like he kind of turns it to the side and you see him kind of back up as he's kind of sliding it down before he kicks it into high gear again. It's just one of those little moments of realism that many other cartoons would have not taken the time to do. But I really appreciate that they did that here. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, do you want to get to the the finale the the final moments of the episode yeah so we've got dick grayson robin uh as he bursts through a poster that says see the flying fury which i just really thought that was it's one of those little like meaningful not meaningful things in the episode Mm -hmm. I, i just enjoyed seeing that and then he's just kicking the snot at azuko on this pier and he's he's beating him up and he's got him and he's holding him over the side of the pier into the water. And it's like, you're never going to get away with this. You're never going to do this again. Da, 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 da. And then Batman comes hobbling over with his splint on his leg. And 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 it's it's one of those things where Robin just in on his own realizes. And this is what I love about this. Batman doesn't say stop. No, I mean, he kind of does. But but in the moment, it, but Robin exclaims all of these emotions about what he's feeling right now, yells them straight at Zuko and at Batman. And then a split second later, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what came over me. I'm sorry. He doesn't need someone else to solve his problem. He solves his own problem. He, he realizes his own emotions in the moment. And I just love that. Yeah, I think I think it's I mean, not that the show didn't do that already, but I think it's one of the first times we actually get to see the character of Robin explored in a way that isn't condescending or joking. Yeah, uh, that that happens a lot in in the history's character, uh, the, the character of the history. And I was right the first time in the history of the character. Um, there's there's a tendency to just always think about Robin as a kid or as uh, Burt Ward's character in Batman 66. Yeah. And Jiminy Jellicers, which is not right. And not to actually says, but... examine the pathos of a character like that. And I think that's what I love that Batman, like while Batman 89 gets a lot of credit for kind of, bringing in the age of a darker Batman to the mass media. I think Batman, the animated series, it deserves more credit for bringing a mature take to the character. Like one doesn't exist without the other. That's, that's absolutely true. But I think the animated series is more successful because of stuff like Robin's reckoning, where you see an examination of the character and why it isn't just a joke and why there's real stuff to explore with a character like Robin. He's not just a joke sidekick. But they do that in a way that they still balance having those tender moments, those those yeah. kind, kind. I mean, that's, that's why this show is, is we're st- that's why we're talking about the 30th anniversary of this show, because of everything it did perfectly. 
Like, and even when it doesn't stick every landing, there's so much it does right. And there's so much that it offers that, yes, some of its shortcomings don't necessarily matter. Um, I like, do I love the way that Dick is portrayed a hundred percent of the time in this as a kind of a, a little bit of a brat? Not really. Do I understand why they, they went that route? Absolutely. And I think what's so cool about, you know, we chose the four, these four episodes to kind of represent this show is because I think this gives us everything in as little time as possible about what makes Batman the Animated Series great. We have a reinvention of a classic uh, villain done in a way that no one had done before and a way that has forever affected the character. We have a lovingly, lovingly done tribute to the past of Batman with the Grey Ghost. And then we have this great meditation on the sidekick with Robin's Reckoning. This this show not only gave you great adventures, but it gave you these stories that really sit and think about the aspects of what makes Batman endure throughout the decades, why we still talk about him, and why Batman is one of the most important fictional characters of the last 200 years. And this show does that in, in ways that seem effortless to the viewer, but, I mean, I'm sure weren't, but the way that this show does that and then we'll also give you a fun action-filled adventure the next week is why batman the animated series is one of the greatest american animated series of all time not just as a comic book adaptation took the words right out of my mouth i couldn't say it better that was yes 100 agreement uh, man i i feel like that's where we got to end this it's a little early <laughs> little early, but you know what? Uh, that I, I think we're going to go a little longer with next week's uh, next. Oh, week's yeah, choice. we absolutely are. Um, so so let us go ahead and end the discussion on Robin's Reckoning, uh, which, by the way, sorry, did, sorry, I dropped the conclusion so early. No, dude, that was that was great. I don't mind it at all. Uh, just was it Robin's Reckoning did win the primetime primetime Emmy, not daytime Emmy, primetime Emmy for outstanding animated program for one hour or less uh, in 1993 or the 1993 awards, which are probably in 1994. I don't know. I didn't look that up that much. Uh, so yes, that's, so we have a multiple Emmy winning show now. Uh, and so let's talk about what we're doing next week. Um, this yeah. one is going to be a little interesting and yes, technically this is Batman, the animated series, but it's more like Batman, the animated movie. We are talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm, what started as a direct-to-video release and ended up getting a full theatrical release uh, because the show was just doing that well. Uh, the story, uh, uh, so, sort of a, a backstory of, of really Batman's origins in, in Batman the Animated Series and how he chooses to become that character uh so that is what we're going to do next week it is available on a number of streaming platforms but i think hbo max is probably the easiest um it is oddly only 78 minutes i fully remember that being longer but you know <laughs> yeah i remember it being longer too but i mean i guess compared to like i mean it's the equivalent of basically having like three and a three, half episodes. Three episodes yeah uh so um, i I'm very excited. It's been a couple years since I've watched this, and I, so I have, certainly haven't seen it since they actually made it HD. Um, 
so I'm really, really, really excited to to watch this again because while this movie did fail at the box office, and we'll talk a, maybe a little bit about that next week um, because it didn't really have much marketing, it was a hit at home and it has endured as by many people one of the best best batman movies ever made uh i think it's the best batman movie ever made personally and i am really really excited to talk about this because i mean this is kind of the cherry on top and it's a movie that that gets recognition i mean the 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 batman fold obviously give it a lot of respect um and whenever it's whenever it is discussed there is some respect put in its name but I don't hear people talk about it enough. And I think that's a shame because this movie is something really special and I can't wait to talk about it. Me too. So that is going to be next week. Mask of the Phantasm. In the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreunerd.com where you can find this and all 10 years of episodes. You can tweet to us at themoreunerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreunerd and you can email us themoreunerd at gmail.com. That's themoreunerd at gmail.com. Until next time, I am podcast. I am the night. I am... Nerd. Nerd out. out.